This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, helping the people of the world to live healthy lives. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez. And I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you all for joining us again this week. Here we are, the end of March already. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. I know we say that over and over again, and I had this discussion earlier this week with one of my colleagues here at the radio station, and we don't even know what day it is on most days. <laughs> so true. Go, what day is it? What month is it? Where are we? What are we doing? Yeah. And um, and I think that we're not alone in feeling like that. No, I feel like every day feels like the same day, just you know, a different moment in time, and I feel like it's great that the seasons are changing. I love when the seasons change. It really is quite wonderful, and I think we are feeling invigorated by the change of seasons, right? Warmer temperatures, even just a little bit. It's funny how here in Canada, we are so quick to shed our layers once it warms up even a little bit to double digits, right? You know, it's so funny because I think about (laughs) bears, you know, bears are hibernating all winter. And Mm -hmm. you know what? I kind of related to a bear. I didn't mind hibernating. I didn't mind being stuck in my house. But now that the temperature is rising a bit and the sun has been shining, I just want to get out of the house and get as much sunshine as I can. And, you know, that's the positive part of this time of year. But I think the other part that comes with March, April (laughs) is economics, uh, tax times, uh, money matters, those kinds of things. That's right. And that's why I thought today it would be appropriate to talk about finances and financial health and how things have changed and what we should expect and how financially healthy we should be. And you know what? I think we could all use a bit of advice, especially as we navigate this new normal and I'm not a fan of that word or that phrase, but we we have to use it because it is a new normal for all of us, especially those in business, those working, because you've, you've had to change the way you work, mm-hmm. the way you do business, the way you deal with clients. Um, maybe you've had to move your business completely online. And as we start to come out of it, how much of that is going to change back to the way it was I don't know. We just don't know. And But what I do know is that a lot of people have had to pivot and shift, not even business, not only business owners, but people have had to change their jobs. People have had to look for new jobs. We start to realize that having a nest egg is absolutely important because, you you know, you don't know about these rainy days. And boy, did we have a bunch of rainy days behind sure us. Did. So we need to be prepared for that. We need to know what to expect for the future. And I wonder how you do that, because I know that we can all say, let's prepare for that rainy day. But you think, oh, I just want that new sweater. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just want I need something new for my car. I really need a vacation. You know, so those kinds of things you want to do as well. So how do you balance both? I think that's where we struggle. And I feel like the conversations I've been having with people are certain things have become extremely important and other things have become less so important. So in my mind, planning for a vacation has really become my top priority. I feel like that's where I'm going to be saving money uh, in order to plan for my vacations. For me, certain other things I could, I realized I could live without. So I feel like that's where people have to start is just really put value in what they find important. And it'll be different for all of us. And that's okay. Yeah. And I think you raised a couple of really interesting points there. First of all, planning for a vacation. First of all, what is that all about? What's it going to look like? Where can we go? The borders are still closed at least for another month or so. So I don't even know how comfortable people are going to be if we're able to get back on a plane again. 
true. I've I've thought about that, but I have to tell you, for me, the idea of getting back into the swing of things, I don't know when it's going to be. I'm hoping sooner than later. But I'm one of those people who's going to jump right on the bandwagon and just go for it. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, if you're able to travel within the province, within the country, maybe that's one of the benefits mm-hmm. that comes out of this. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like if I can't get across borders and maybe like, you know, across oceans this year, I will likely do like cross Canada travel for sure. And you talked about businesses and changing the way we do things and how we are doing with less. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of the major things that we all realized over last year Mm -hmm. was that how much do I really need? How do I make this go further? Mm -hmm. And another very interesting point, and I can say this because I'm in that business, I think that people have really placed a lot of value and importance on their personal health. So that's one of the things that I feel like people are going to start spending time and money on because it is extremely important. We need to be healthy because if you don't have your health, You won't be able to deal with any sort of challenge that life throws at you. And I feel like that's an important place to start. We really need to start to be healthy mentally, physically, emotionally, all that combined into one. So what are you hearing in your practice from your clients, from your patients? What are they telling you about what they want to do going forward in terms of their own physical health? I feel like people, like I said, have realized that certain things don't matter as much as they used to. Mm -hmm. They are enjoying having more time to focus on themselves. I think that's a big message. I think that's one of the positives that came out of having a year off of certain things. And being healthy is at the top of the list. Because what are we hearing? People with comorbidities are at higher risk. People with comorbidities weren't, you know, healing as quickly from covid So that's a big fear factor and that's a huge motivation just to want to be healthy, keep your body moving and just feel good about yourself. And what about the clients who are coming into your office? What kinds of ailments are they dealing with at this time? It's interesting because we deal with a lot of people who just don't want to feel aches and pains and they realize that they don't need to feel achy and sore and Mm -hmm. tired. And of course, you know, if people are sitting more, we're not as active as we should. So The motivation is to be able to be as active as they possibly can. And that does not mean wanting to run or being able to run a marathon. It just means being able to do things that you enjoy. And being outside more, I think, is inspiring for people. And with the warmer weather, we really have no excuse, right? We really can get out there just to do a quick 10 or 15 minute walk. I can't believe you just said that. I did. Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> This is a great, this is going to be a great start to April. <laughs> Tina's going to walk every day for 10 minutes. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but you know, I might do it a few times a week, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think that is achievable for all of us. Absolutely. Yes, it's working, Tina. This is amazing. <laughs> all right. When we come back, what is conscious economics? This is Wellness Prescription on 1059 The Region. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416 416- 6-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 1059 The Region. This is 1059 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. I'm Tina Cortez and over to Dr. Claudia with today's guest. Thank you, Tina. Our guest today is CEO and owner of the Economic Club of Canada, Rhiannon Roseland. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'm excited to learn all about the amazing work that you're doing. And I thought we could start with you telling us about the Economics Club of Canada and the Global Institute of Conscious Economics. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I took over the Economic Club of Canada about a decade ago. The Economic Club of Canada is the country's national podium of record. So typically, pre-pandemic, we did approximately 100 events a year across the country, bringing business leaders together with economists and heads of state and all sorts of folks together to talk about the most pressing issues that were impacting the Canadian economy. But what was really unheard of was to have a young woman at the helm of an organization like that. Traditionally, the Economic Club was sort of known as the Bay Street Boys Club, to be quite honest. And so when I stepped in um, over a decade ago, I really had to make it my own because I, I really didn't see myself fitting in properly. And so the way that I did that was um, I started with creating a not-for-profit arm of the organization called the Junior Economic Club of Canada, where we were really working with young people and women and different groups to try and get people around the table and really broaden the conversation around economics in Canada. And that led me to a couple of years ago um, starting the Global Institute for Conscious Economics. So conscious economics to me is about the new economy. It's about the intersection of the well-being of people, the well-being of planet, the well-being of profit, and the intersection of art and how those things actually formulate to create a new economic paradigm. And that's really what we're, we're talking about now these days. That's fantastic. And before we take a deeper dive then into conscious economics, I'm fascinated by the fact that you were drawn to the Economic Club of Canada. You know, as a young woman, what, why were you so interested? Were you studying finance and economics in school? Not at all. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> so it's really an interesting story, one that I have to kind of take you right back because I grew up in Toronto. I was um, a child of a single mother and I grew up in, in poverty and I really struggled. I was the first person in my family to even finish high school and go on to university. And when I got to university, I became really interested in the study of systems. So I was really interested in economics, sociology, um, you know, reconciliation, these kinds of themes. I never, ever imagined that I would end up working on Bay Street um, or, or running the Economic Club of Canada. When I was in school, I really pictured myself continuing on this path of social advocacy, and I thought I'd write for a zine, and not a magazine, a zine. Um, and, uh, and I was actually discovered um, right before graduating. I, I studied at Ryerson. It was in my final year of my undergrad, and there was a project that we had done as a class um, around poverty alleviation tools and corporate citizenship. And I ended up sharing my personal story with my peers, and they were like, you need to present our research findings at the main event. So at this event on campus, one of the founding board members of the Economic Club just happened to be in the audience that day, and he came up to me and said, you know, we've got this entry-level position as an event coordinator, and we really think that you would be perfect. You should come meet our CEO and interview. And I was planning on going straight into school, doing my master's. I was not looking for a job. I took the card. It was burning a hole in my pocket. And like I always say, I, I sort of believe in things happening for a reason. And so I ended up just deciding to give them a call. I was like, what's the point of you know, pushing away an opportunity before I haven't even been offered the job. So I might as well just go for the interview. And I went for the interview and that day something in my gut just told me, this is your master's degree. Like this is where you're going to learn something so much more than what you could learn out of a textbook. And so I accepted this entry level job and, you know, it's a long story from there, but here I am 10 years later, 
running the organization and owning the organization and really trying to transform what it means to uh, you know, engage with economic dialogue in this country. It's not just about monetary policy and finance. It's about well-being. It's about wellness. It's about equity. It's about social justice. Uh, these are the things that are really, really, um, I think, starting to center in our minds, especially as we look at everything that's happened through this pandemic. So what, what people used to look at me and kind of be like, huh, what's she talking about? I think people are now really starting to understand that there's a broader intersection here that we need to talk about, and our economy is at the center of that. It's so inspirational. Uh, yeah, and we couldn't agree with you more. Uh, we we always talk about how things have changed and probably in the long run for the better. So I feel like, you know, how will changing our economic and business structures impact the socioeconomic model for the global youth? Because I feel like that's where it's all at. How are we going to get our youth to understand economics and global economics? Well, the interesting thing is, and I have this theory that may not be like others that you speak to, I have this theory that our young people on the planet are sort of more evolved. Every generation is more evolved than the one before. And if you think about it historically, you know, when we look even back 20, 30 years, we weren't where we are at now in terms of the way that we think about equity, the way we think about inclusion, the way we think about you know, the social and political structures. And so I really look to the younger generation to say, what feeds you, what fuels you will become what our labor force needs to sort of respond to. So if you speak to millennials or you speak to generation uh, underneath the Gen Z, you'll really see that these young people are driven by purpose, uh, purpose married with profit. So you're seeing more and more that organizations, in order to even retain um, their their labor force are having to make this shift. And we're seeing it more and more that people are demanding for more uh, freedom, flexibility at work, and people are really starting to talk a lot more around mental health. And not just about, you know, mental health as something that we need to pay attention to, but how do we actually use wellness as a currency in our workspaces? And so although this may still be, you know, on the pointy edge of progress right now, I really believe that the next 10 to 20 years, we're going to see a massive shift in terms of looking at other forms of currency, not just, you know, remuneration monetarily, but really thinking about flexibility, really thinking about well-being, really thinking about uh, social justice and inclusion and how corporations are showing up as citizens and participating in making this world a better place. So these are really interesting themes to explore. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the conscious economics. What does that mean? Yeah. So conscious economics was a term that I came up with, and I have to tell you, it's sort of a wild story. I had been running uh, youth programs every summer for years, and we started to run um, a program called North Meet South Exchange. So this was a reconciliation program where we brought Indigenous and non-Indigenous students together. And this one particular year, we were running the program, and we were up in the Arctic region of Canada in Nunavut. And we were there with 50 of us, non-Indigenous and Indigenous youth, and we were learning about traditional knowledge, and we were learning about business and economics. And I had an experience up there. I call it a bit of an awakening experience. Something just came over me where I recognized and realized that there is so much more to this world and to this planet and even to this country than what meets the eye. Being able to sort of connect in with 
the indigenous culture and the indigenous ways of our Inuit up north, it, I never felt like I understood Canada more than in that moment. And so I started to reflect on what we're thinking about when we go back into our city centers and on Bay Street and how we could bridge this gap between the traditional way of being and the new modern way of being. And that became conscious economics, this idea that our economic systems will only be able to perform as a match to where our consciousness is. So as we evolve our consciousness, which really means developing a deeper awareness of ourselves and how ourselves and our systems intersect, when we start to develop that greater sense of awareness of who we are, of where we come from, of what fuels us, of what connects us to each other in the planet, if we build from there, from that place, we could build more harmonious systems. So I've been on this quest of personal self-development and then understanding how personal development uh, intersects with collective development. And this has been the quest. This has been the journey. So we launched Conscious Economics right before the uh, pandemic hit in January of 2020. Um, we did a one-for-one -one model. So we had President Obama as our first speaker to talk about Conscious Economics, this idea of people, planet, profit. We had 3,000 business leaders and policymakers, and then for every ticket that was purchased by those business leaders or policymakers, another ticket was gifted to a young leader, 30 and under. So we had this beautiful intersection, intergenerational conversation, and it was honestly just, uh, I would say, one of the most <laughs> interesting gatherings that I've ever seen happen in this city, where it really, the economic dialogue really reflected what our city looks like, um, which is diverse, which is so many different people coming from so many different walks. And this is where we have to build from. We have to build together. That is beautiful. That is amazing. And I love this idea that we have to create more of a balance between people, planet and profit. It, it is kind of in line with my own way of living. And one of the things that I'm really trying to focus on during this pandemic is that we really are connected on all those levels and we don't realize how much our our economics and our financial health really plays a role in our overall health. So how are we, what, what are you proposing in terms of people, planet and profit? How can that all meld together to create balance? Well, I really think that it starts, it starts in the exact way we're saying it, people, planet, profit. So it starts with people. And what that really means is it starts with us actually understanding ourselves a little bit more deeply. If we can say in theory that we want a system that is, you know, better to our planet um, and better to each other, yet we are blindly consuming to sort of fill a void inside of us that can't be really filled with material things. It has to be filled by being able to understand what that, what that lack is inside of us. And so many of us have that, especially in the West. You know, I, I was, addicted to shopping. Mm -hmm. I was, I had many, many different things I had to overcome as I started to go inward and really look at myself and say, am I really, am I really in alignment with what I want to see happen in this planet? Or do I want those good things, but then I'm too lazy to actually make the change. So it starts with people, mindfulness. We really are bringing in consciousness tools when we start to talk about business and the economy. On the planet side, it's not just about environmental sustainability. It's about reconnecting with nature, like getting outside, being in, in harmony with 
you know, the beautiful space that's around us. And so many of us are so disconnected from that that we forget kind of who we are as beings and as interconnected beings. So it really is this different uh, paradigm in the way that we look at these pieces. And then on the profit side, it's really about the idea that we have this weird dichotomy where when we talk about, you know, being good to each other and the planet, somehow profit is bad. It's not a part of that equation. Yet all of us that struggle, um, you know, want to call in that abundance. We want to be profitable, but then we feel bad when we are there. I had this issue myself. I grew up in a household where we were living really struggling and there was a lot of different issues in my family. And so things that I heard over and over again growing up were like, poor people were good people. We were hardworking people and rich people were greedy and, and you know, business was, was kind of bad. And then when I got into a space where I was trying to call in an inter, a generational change for my family and I stepped into a spot of, you know, making good money and, and working on Bay Street, I started to feel like, am I bad now? Is there something wrong with me? And this was this inner dialogue that I had to kind of course correct. So we really talk about profit not as a bad thing, as a good thing that can be used to do good. And so we really see this idea of social innovation, of profitable businesses that are also solving social issues being so imperative for this next decade that we go into, for this next paradigm of, of work and business. And so it's the intersection of all of those pieces. And the last pillar that we talk about, which you probably wouldn't hear when you hear about the people, planet, profit thing, is art. And the reason why we say art is because we really believe that our creativity is our birthright as human beings. And it's not just about painting a picture or writing a poem. You know, there's artistry and entrepreneurship. There's artistry and accounting. It's about this ability to be creative. And when we look at the Industrial Revolution and we look at what's kind of happened to us as, you know, human bodies being used as machines, doing remedial tasks, we see that we've sort of lost the essence of what it means to be creative beings. And so we're bringing that back in. We're bringing creativity. We're infusing art. We are really bringing that vibration into everything that we do. And it's, um, it's a really interesting place to play. I'll tell you, I'm having fun. It sounds that way. And it's interesting that we that this is like a conversation that we're all having nowadays. I find that I'm having it in my own practice. And what I'm learning is that people are really starting to understand that, you know, it's not about how much money you have or how much money you make. It's about doing the things you love while making money. There's a there's a total paradigm shift in you're not going to work anymore, earning a living and, and earning as much as you possibly can and spending it. It's about finding the joy and making the money and spending the money where you find fit. And I love this. And I feel like that's the conversation we're having with you today. And that's where the shift is happening. Am I right about this? Absolutely. It's absolutely a part of it. And it's also understanding that, you know, you can have you can have all the money in the world and still feel disconnected and unhappy. But if you start actually, you know, when we think of Maslow's hierarchy and we think of, you know, the things that we need in order to go to that self-actualization place and so we need to have our foundational needs met, we're sort of saying that sometimes you can start to work on that self-actualization maybe before you even call in all those other pieces. And then when you get there, you're actually in this much more, you know, aligned place where you don't end up just blindly getting somewhere just because there is a trail or a paycheck at the end of it. You know, I talk, I talk to so many people who have had so much success in their lives, but they got to the place that they were told was 
the place to be, the place where they had the title and the money and the power. And it just, it, it still didn't resonate. And then I see people who exactly like you said, they're following their path of what is in their heart, what their purpose is, what they love. And the money comes, mm-hmm. the money comes. And, and that is, I think, something that foundationally we have to start rethinking about all of this. Like what are we training and teaching our young people out of school? Is it to go and just find the job that's going to give you the the most financial reward or is it to find the job that's going to create the most change that's going to make you feel most aligned with who you truly are and also to have money and we want you to have money and like everything foundationally about what we do is really about economic healing it's about healing our relationship with money the stories that we tell ourselves our mindfulness and money program goes deeply into our limiting beliefs that we all have like if you just think about it think of us women for example how long have we been told that we will earn less than men that you know we won't be as successful as business now whether we are actually in that situation or not that little belief is is constantly kind of nagging in our mind and it may prevent us from walking into a space with the confidence to ask for more money or transparency around um, remuneration or all of those pieces. So it's really, really interesting stuff when you start to dig down. I cannot thank you enough for sharing all of this with us. I feel so much more inspired and I'm sure our listeners will too. But if listeners want to learn more about you, the Economic Club of Canada, how can they do that? Absolutely. So I am Rhiannon Roseland. I'm on all social media platforms. You can easily find me, ConsciousEconomics.ca and EconomicClub.ca are both uh, places where you can find us. And we look forward to hearing from you and uh, asking you to join the movement with us. we got to do this together. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Dr. Claudia, please remind our listeners how to connect with you. You can find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Macchiella or my website, ClaudiaMacchiella.com. For previous broadcasts of The Wellness Prescription or for the podcast version, go to 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at HealthyPlanetCanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.